1: Our guest today is a Super Bowl champion, a seven-year NFL veteran with the Giants, the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Panthers. But he's the true definition of the phrase more than an athlete. Because he's a writer, a director, a producer, an investor, an entrepreneur, an artist. He's the inspiration behind the CW hit series All-American, which is in its fourth season. And he's just getting started. Today, he's getting in the zone. Welcome, Spencer Pacinger.
0: Yes, thank you for having me. You got it. Well, first off, Tell I don't him. like to say the Jets.
1: Oh, you I don't ne- even like to say that I them. never
0: played a regular season for them. I All got right. cut, so I'm like, they're off the cart.
1: I hope like, you get a pen. I'm crossed. <laughs> but I will say off. that was like the you best
0: the yeah. best intro I've ever heard of myself. So like I need that after. And <laughs> okay. just like hand that to people. I got I, you.
1: I got you. That's right. You are just getting started. Yeah. And take that New York Jets. That's right. You're out. You're out of this. I already crossed it off there right there. there well, I appreciate you coming here and getting in the zone with me. Uh you're a busy man. You're doing a lot, as you could hear from some of that the bio, and I barely even like scratch the surface of all that you've got going on but we know as you're now you know in the content game you're a great producer if you're yep. producing this show or anything it's like you can't just like dive right in no, no, no. you gotta like ease into it a yeah. little bit you don't go right to the main you course gotta step in yeah, yeah. you gotta yeah. get started with some appetizers. You know? exactly i'm glad you said that because <laughs> this is our first segment here on in the zone called starters <laughs> And I got a little special treat for you. I know you're here in L.A., yep. so let's bring it in. One of your favorite things in the city of Los Angeles from Katsu Sando. It's the A5 Wagyu sandwich to what? get things started. Let's go.
0: What? Hold on. Who told you about this?
1: I got sources everywhere. You talk to my wife? I know people. I got to eat it on, on... You don't have to, but, I mean, you might want to take a bite. I think I'm
0: like an ugly eater, so... <laughs>
1: What? All so right. tell me, yeah, go for it, go for it. Oh man, legit. Yeah, that's uh, Japanese Wagyu flown in from Japan. This Who? is like serious. Who going
0: across town for this?
1: That respect, would be KT, right Thank here, you. making it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This
0: is like a like a ninety dollar sandwich.
1: Yeah, I know. We yeah. bought it for you, Spencer. <laughs> I know. You
0: can write it off. It's fine. But this <laughs> is. <laughs> This is, it's to me, it's one of the best, like most simple sandwiches in the city. Most simple sandwiches, Same, just, simple a sandwiches just a $90 piece of wagging. Simple in terms simple. of just as you can see, it's it doesn't need much to be good.
1: Yeah, well, well <laughs> all right, okay.
0: <laughs> oh, see, that all is worth $90. Oh, um,
1: yeah, <laughs> that is legit. So, like, onion in there is like a crispy. Onion yeah, flavor on it it just
0: like caramelizes yeah. onto onto the meat so well and obviously there's a nice some nice fat in there but the flavor is all there well worth it
1: yeah it was well worth legit. it yeah yeah not bad all right <laughs> thank you this was a good tip next time you go because
0: there will be a next time mm-hmm. get the fries too some of the best like crisp cut fries oh stuff. really
1: yeah okay I mean this throughout the whole show. So, why do you love this so much? Why is this meaningful to you right now?
0: I got this sandwich from a recommendation. You know how you like don't trust your friends with food recommendations?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, some, yeah. some, yeah. exactly some. Yeah.
0: I have maybe only three people in this world who great friends that I only trust their food advice. Mm-hmm. Like restaurants, whenever I'm in a new city and they, I know they've been there. Yeah, I strategically go to them. So, I got word of this sandwich from my friend Noah Preston. Shout out to Noah. Um, I saw him on Instagram going to that, going to this place, and literally the next day I was there with my wife trying it out because I know if Noah goes somewhere, it's mm-hmm. it's undeniably good. Like he doesn't yeah. waste he doesn't waste time or money on like mid foods or a meal. Doesn't waste so, that at real no, estate. Yeah. No. So saw him go, text him like where's this, send me the address. Next day I was there with my wife, <laughs> and since then I've been back like. Maybe once a month, once every other month, because oh, it's that great. They yeah. have a walnut shrimp sandal as well. Highly recommended. And I'm allergic to nuts. So that shows you how much I like it.
1: <laughs> You're allergic to the sandwich, yes. but you like it that much. Yes. Okay. What are the side effects of the I don't, sandwich?
0: My throat doesn't close up or anything like that. <laughs> good. Like, you don't <laughs>
1: die from it. I
0: just, I have a blood disorder to wear it. I don't know if I'm like giving somebody like my kryptonite out there. <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't but, know. I don't
0: know. <laughs> Um, my blood, I guess, doesn't have the right enzymes to break down like nuts, legumes and a bunch of other little things, but it just makes me tired because my body doesn't understand what's in, what's in my body. So it breaks down, like all my energy goes towards breaking down that food. So if I'm ever like, if I can't sleep, which is rare, like I could legit eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and it's like a nuke. And I'll, wow. I'll be asleep an hour later. This so, would have
1: been valuable intel for your opponents in your you know football playing days for see? sure. Just like get safe through.
0: space. Yeah. Now really you're safe,
1: safe space. space. It's okay. I don't know. I mean, there might be like a, a rival producer pitching something that's like <laughs> going to put peanuts before a big pitch meeting. I but hope not. Yeah, I hope not too. I think you're safe and you're safe with this sandwich yes. too. So yeah, just easing you into things here. Again, it started Absolutely. now. You. Again, thank you for this. You are welcome. Bum. That's right. Good, good. Now you are here. You're from Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. You're born in uh, Crenshaw. Tell me a little bit about what uh, Crenshaw is like for someone who doesn't know kind of where you grew up in the neighborhood that you came from.
0: Yeah, I grew up off of uh, Slauson and Western. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always and I always make the comparison that if you've seen Boys in the Hood, movies like of Society, like I grew up two blocks away from where they filmed Boys in the Hood. Mm-hmm. You know, in the mid '90s, I was born in 1988, so. It was definitely of the time watching that movie. So, you know, a lot of people think when you're in South Central, it's violence and gangs and you're running from every single day. It wasn't really that. Like, yes, that was there. But what I experienced growing up in South Central is a strong family dynamic. The fact that I can run inside anybody's house on my block because we were just that tight knit community. Some of the kids I grew up with, you know, I played at one specific park that we shoot in the show All-American mm-hmm. still to this day, like, I played with probably six or seven of those kids on my block at my park. Yeah. So it was it was definitely, like, territorial of different kids from different blocks all playing on different teams. And it's like, not only did you beat, you know, the kids on the other block, you beat them at Van Ness as well, which is the park that I played at. But... Overall, like a rich family dynamic. Um, the violence was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, gang influences were there. I have family and friends that that went into that life. But overall, um, I, to me, I had literally an all-American upbringing. And I pun, pun <laughs> yeah, intended.
1: Right, pun right. Intended. <laughs> well, a lot family. of people know your story from the show All-American, mm-hmm. but they don't all know that that is your story. Yes. And so you grew up there in South Central L.A., but you then went, to Beverly Hills High School and yes. kind of we're in two different worlds, two different universes, both who, if you met anyone from either of those places would say, I'm from LA, but yeah. that can mean a lot of different things yeah. to a lot of different people. And for you, you're kind of in these two different worlds. I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it. I'm sure you've gotten into it a mm-hmm. lot uh, in interviews and, and in the past, but what was that experience like for you? Because I heard you, you didn't want to go to Beverly Hills no, High School. No, no,
0: De- definitely didn't want to go to Beverly. Um, and I'd always, I'd always known I had to go to Beverly, mm-hmm. as opposed to how I was portrayed on the show where you know I'm at Crenshaw initially, and then I go to Beverly. From eighth grade, I automatically went to Beverly because, one, my uncle was the head football coach there. Mm-hmm. My older brother at the time was a senior there. My dad and a few other of my uncles were coaches there. One of my aunts was the head physician there. The locker room is named the Pacinger Family Locker Room. Wow. So like... The Pacinger family is sort of an institution at Beverly to the yeah. point where, you know, we had a, a pacinger, my little cousin, uh, shout out to Raina. Um, <laughs> she graduated last year from Beverly. So yeah. the Pacinger family goes back to the 70s when my uncle was the second generation to integrate Beverly Hills High School. Wow. And that experience, even though I knew I was going to Beverly, was still somewhat different because I grew up around predominantly black and Latino kids mm-hmm. all my life. I went to school in uh, the Inglewood School District. And when I knew I had to go to Beverly, I wanted to instead go to either Cover City where my friends were going, Inglewood, where other friends were going, and just kind of wanted to still be in that little bubble of Inglewood. Mm-hmm. Um, so knowing that I was the only kid that I knew at the time going to Beverly, it was definitely that fish out of water story of just, you know not really knowing like the social hierarchy because yeah. um, at Beverly a lot, at Beverly, there are four middle schools that all port into the high school. So mm. those kids coming in with me, They've known each other since they were like, literally in preschool. Right, like, kind of growing up together. Here right. I come, the you know the left turn out of it all, but definitely different. Um, yeah. But I think overall it allowed me to sort of integrate with different cultures and ethnicities at such a young age to the point where I could walk into any room now and feel comfortable because mm-hmm. I I know how to empathize, respect, and just understand different cultures.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But talk a little bit about um, what it was like. That first year going to Beverly, I mean, you had to wake up early in the morning, uh, like you yeah, know, to make yeah. it happen. It's like not a typical high school experience yeah. that most kids have.
0: Yeah, I you know I had to wake up anytime anywhere between four thirty five o'clock um, my freshman year to you know get my little brother ready, yeah. um, have my mom drop us off at my uncle's house because my uncle had a period zero at Beverly, which started at seven a.m. Oh wow! And he lives in Ladera, so that's you know with traffic and whatnot. It's a 40-minute drive no matter what time you wake up. So yeah. I always make, like, I'm not – I didn't choose to be a morning person. I was kind of forced to be. And now it's, like, all I know. Like, yeah. I can't just sit in bed now and just and just be. Like, you I have still, to Still, you to wake go. up oh, early. It's, I'm, like,
1: ingrained in you. If I
0: – sleeping in is, like, seeing 7 a.m. when you wake up. Like, I'm always up before then. So yeah. – but the trek getting there in the morning was – Again, it was just normal for me. It was normal to wake up before the sun came up. It was normal to get my little brother up. Normal to fight across town to get to my uncle's house, and then us together fighting traffic. Like he taught me how to drive those mornings at five thirty in the morning yeah. in his big old expedition trying to
1: get to Beverly. Like that's right. literally how I learned how to
0: drive. So. Hella early, but like had to do
1: it. Wow, you just make it happen. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, you've been making it happen your whole life, your whole career, and you went on to play in the NFL for seven years. Never defined by that, which I admire and respect. Mm -hmm. I've always said that you saw that as – a job, not yep. a career, a period and a chapter of your life. But uh, this next segment we play here on In the Zone is called In the Zone. And I want to know what that means to you, to get in the zone. You hear professional athletes all the time talk about this feeling, this space of when they're in the zone what it's like when things slow down. It feels like it's slow motion, or basketball players feel like they're shooting it into the ocean. They just can't miss. Uh, You now, both in what you do currently, in the creative pursuits, in uh, producing, directing, writing, and previously as a professional athlete, what does it mean to you to get in the zone? And can you describe what that place is for you? Yeah, that,
0: that zone. And I've only really experienced it and I think a lot of athletes only experience it less than a handful of times in their entire career. Even Mm -hmm. if you think they like as a fan if you're watching like, oh that player had a great game, he just probably had a great game. But like being in a zone only happens I'd say half a dozen times in a player's career where Mm -hmm. there's this feeling where you feel like your your energy can move mountains. Like Mm -hmm. your your focus is locked in. You're not worrying about anybody else. You're not you don't hear the fans and when these players are playing this game and they're in the zone, usually they're around potentially 20K plus fans. Yeah. You don't hear the fans. Wow. You know your assignment. You don't question yourself. You don't question your ability. You know whoever lines up across from you or your job assignment hmm. is already done before it's done. Yeah. You know there are, I know specific moments, even in my head right now, I'm thinking to some of those moments where it's like anything could have been put in front of me in that moment and it would have gotten done. Yeah. You know, I would have made the play. I would have made the
1: interception. I would have did the tack like made the tackle. Well, what's like, one of those moments that did pop into your head thinking about
0: that? Yeah, those specifically there was one play. It was one of the best games I ever played in the in the NFL where it was the Giants versus the Chiefs. We were playing the Chiefs at Arrowhead and this is when Jamal Charles was still like at the height of his game. Mm-hmm. And we weren't playing that well that year. I was a starting linebacker for the Giants. I had the headset and everything. Um and you know you knew who Jamal Charles was at this time, and yeah. there were, there are a handful of moments where I was matched up against him, and specifically one moment he flexed out from the backfield, and, and the assignment means like, I have to go cover him with like almost no safety help. Mm. I literally hear our defensive coordinator yelling to our safety like, "Switch with Spencer, switch with Spencer," and I'm looking at him like I'm waving him off, waving the safety off like, "No, I got this." Like again, I felt like I was in the zone. because yeah. I had a few tackles at that by that point, uh, a few pass breakups, and I was. Completely myself in the moment. Sure. Um, Jamal Charles, he does a slant route. I bite on it, break it up, and Trollroll comes and like scoops it off the ground, scoops it right before it hits the ground for interception. And I'm literally staring at my defensive coordinator like, I told you I had it. So it was just like, that was one of those moments where it's like, I don't care who lines up across from me. Like yeah. if I'm in this moment, like there's nobody that
1: can that can play against me. And how do you get into that zone now, whether it be writing, directing, producing, what you're doing currently, have you found a different way to channel that similar kind of feeling, that space where you're yeah. locked in?
0: I feel like you, you never know you're in the zone until you're already in it. And mm-hmm. you kind of reflect when you have that moment to reflect where, now for me it's it's sitting in my office and words are just flowing out of me effortlessly you know it's it's setting up scenes it's seeing an entire script you know in your head and you and you're able to efficiently get it out on paper how you saw it in your head that's a yeah. that's a a big thing for me getting more and more comfortable with is having these big ideas for scripts in my head but when i put them down on paper it just doesn't come out exactly how i want um, mm-hmm. and again i'm still a student of screenwriting and all that but those few moments where it's coming out exactly how you envision it is my new version of being in the zone.
1: Okay, well, it's working. Uh, it's working for you for sure. It's doing but, all right. I'm doing yeah, all right. you're doing all right. <laughs> you're building and it's going great, man. Now you go from Beverly Hills High School playing football there, and you play at Oregon, a yes. huge football program, a great school. How would you decide to go to to Oregon, University of Oregon?
0: Yeah, I. So, I mean, I was a receiver in high school. Um, All my scholarship offers were to play receiver at uh, all the colleges except for Oregon. Oregon Mm -hmm. was the only school that said there's a chance you could play on defense. Mm -hmm. So initially there were talks to recruit me as an athlete and then possibly convert me afterwards. But I was in my head, I was a receiver. At Beverly, I played safety as well, down safety most of the time. And there was one game specifically against Torrance High School that they ran a wing tee. And my whole game was setting the edge and making the tackles. I had about 12 or 13 tackles that game. That was a game that Oregon um, offered me a uh, scholarship for afterwards. And I had committed to Colorado for two weeks as a receiver. And my dad just pretty much said, my dad and my uncle pretty much sat me down and were like, remove football from the equation, go on these recruiting trips. Where can you live Mm. for four to five years? Mm -hmm. Because the football spill during recruitment, it's all going to be the same. We're going to do this, this, here are the jerseys, here are our facilities, here are our yeah. coaches, walk the campus, whatnot. Where can you go where you feel like you can just live as a person for four to five years? And Colorado was fun, but just walking around Oregon, it definitely felt like just, it felt like home. I had yeah. a cousin that was playing there at the time. I was familiar with the coaches because they're good friends with my family, so I knew they weren't going to, They to me, it just didn't feel like they were going to, lie to me like they mm-hmm. possibly have done to other athletes mm-hmm. because they had that family tied in my family. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, it just felt like I was going to an extended family going up to Oregon.
1: It's a beautiful place too, yeah. I've been to Eugene. It's gorgeous up yeah. there, a great part of the country. And uh, the athletes get treated pretty well there too. Very, right. yeah. Oh yeah. man, the Nike do University right swag, <laughs> you got it there. Yeah, for sure. Now you have a great collegiate career and uh, in your final season in college, your last game that you ever played was the national championship game. Yep. Tell me a little bit about that game. I mean the biggest stage, you're undefeated coming into this to yeah. be on like the biggest high, but obviously it didn't end the way that you'd want it. Yeah.
0: Uh, it was it was interesting because I didn't really feel the weight of the game until there was a timeout, I think in the second quarter mm. where I come up to my my linebacker coach and he's talking. And I'm just kind of like looking around and seeing the spectacle. And I'm thinking, like, damn, there are there's probably t- like 20 million people watching this at home, and I'm <laughs> on the field, and they're watching me, and yeah. you know, two quarters later, I could possibly have a national championship, the first in Oregon's history. So, yeah. the whole the whole experience going against Cam Newton and the Auburn Tigers were so surreal because at Oregon we knew we were on a crash course to meet them. Mm-hmm. Um, at earlier in that season, I think they like Auburn started like 15th in the country. And every, every week you just saw, like, who Cam Newton became that mm-hmm. season. And we knew probably at the start of November, like, if we went out, we're definitely seeing them. So yeah. being in that game, you know, going against him, going against some of the, you know, the SEC allure. Everybody thinks SEC is, like, better than every other conference. Right. And <laughs> right. there's some truth to that, but, yeah. like, a lot of false. It was cool because we def- I feel like we definitely got the respect of a lot of those players because it wasn't a blowout. They didn't manhandle us. It literally came down to a last-second fluke play where, you know, the running back – Technically, he was down, uh-huh. but he ended up scampering for another, like, 30 yards when I mean, anybody thought he was down. That's a conversation for another day. <laughs> oh, uh, we well, can get into yeah, it. Yeah, like, I mean, he was, I was yeah. Yeah. he was down. I'm saying he was down. Yeah, But But, um, no, overall, it was a great experience. Like, obviously, yeah. we lost. Um, but I can, I can confidently say in one calendar year, I went from playing a national mm-hmm. championship to playing a Super Bowl.
1: Not only just playing in the Super Bowl, but winning the Super Bowl, which is an incredible story in itself. Mm -hmm. If that were the story alone, that would be uh, worthy of a television show going from the national championship game, losing to being undrafted in the 2011 NFL draft to then signing as a free agent and winning the Super Bowl, And that leads us to our next segment here on in the zone called rewind, where we're going to take a look back at various moments throughout your life and career and hear the inside story. So let's cue up our very first clip. Oh yeah, man, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. We're not messing around. This is the big leagues. We got the champ here. Let's let's go. go. So let's see our first clip.
0: Welcome to the after party of the man who made that. That game-stealing trip, but well, that feel? Oh Beverly Hills God. High School, no left, well, from Beverly Hills to the Super Bowl. How's it feel? It's amazing, it's amazing. There's no worse than this guy. My family's in the stands. I, this is no worse, no worse. I got <laughs> your rookie going to the Super Bowl. Special teams plays, I think that was a big difference. They had two turnovers special This is teams. funny. And in a game like this, you can't do that. You make everything hard. You can't count us out. Uh, a month and a half ago, nobody thought we would be here. The guys in the got together and said, We'll get back here. We'll get back to San Francisco and what's we do, see we'll win this game. That that whole interview was a mistake, by the way. Yeah. So Jay Glazer thought I was the guy that stripped the ball out to like <laughs> seal us to like go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And any clip do you see, like Jaquan Williams, shout out to Jaquan, number fifty-seven yeah. for the Giants, or he was another rookie. With me coming in, he stripped it and then I forget who picked it up, but I'm just the two feet running past the screen at the top of the screen, like <laughs> celebrating. It was yeah. nowhere near the ball, <laughs> but Jay sees me and he's like, Spencer, come here. Like, how was it stripping the ball? And I'm like, just oh, go with messed it. up, yeah. Like, yeah. but like oh yeah it was great like it was great yeah. the team stripped the ball It's great Jaquan stripped the ball but like it's a great experience so yeah I was just like cautious that entire thing because I didn't <laughs> want to take the shine away from Jaquan at the time but right right I think I played it off pretty well
1: that's amazing and I mean it's just crazy the whole story going from like we said undrafted to then winning the Super Bowl in that season your first season in the NFL yeah. that's something you can't even write in a, a script or a TV show a movie yeah. it wouldn't be believable uh can you describe what that feeling was like when uh you're playing in in the super bowl yeah. in super bowl 46 you defeat the new england patriots uh, not many people pick the giants over yeah. the patriots coming into that one and then to kind of reach the pinnacle when you're just beginning your professional yeah, career yeah. I, I, what was that like
0: well, I mean, it was deemed the rematch because you know, a lot of people – where the 2011 Super Bowl was kind of like the phantom Super Bowl because whenever I say, oh, I beat the Patriots, they're like, oh, were you part of the helmet catch in 07? I'm like, no, well, first I'm not that old. <laughs> Second of all, no, this is the rematch. But yeah. it was cool because, you know, as a West Coast kid, I didn't really grow up, you know, knowing the hatred that, you know, the Patriots and the Giants had since that first Super Bowl mm-hmm. and them ruining, you know, the undefeated season with, with Moss and those, and those guys. So – kind of being, I'm not kind of, I'm in it with him, and understanding the weight, the gravity of the moment just made everything that much better. You know, yeah. it's, you know, Tom Brady being an all-time, the, the to me, he's the GOAT uh, yeah. quarterback. See, I would say he's he's one of the best winners of all time. But being able to be on that field, I think I recorded like two special team cycles that game. Mm-hmm. Um, I completely cried my eyes out as soon as the ball dropped in the end zone, yeah. and I knew that we had won, so amazing experience. I wouldn't change it for the world and we just had our 10-year reunion um, I think about a month or so ago so I got to see all those ugly faces again. <laughs> like Being in the locker room with them, being at the stadium with them. Uh, it was just cool. It was like you, you would think that Guys have changed over time, and even body types have changed. Everybody still looks pretty much the same.
1: Yeah. You're ready to run it back is what it sounds like. I'm good. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I don't want to hit anybody
0: anymore. Yeah, right, right.
1: (laughs) Well, you go from winning the Super Bowl, this crazy high, to our next uh, thing I want to show you here. And uh, tell me the story behind the scenes uh, of this moment here. You at the White House meeting uh, yeah. President Obama. Uh, describe a little bit, maybe some behind-the-scenes stories of what this day was like and, and this moment.
0: This was, to me, one of the coolest moments I ever had. I, it, it was uh, just kind of a culmination of everything that we've been through as a team to obviously having the first black president shake my hand. Mm. Um, kind of nervous because I was like, how am I going to do it? So as you as you can see... So I come in with the power handshake like you got the shake the hand, grab the wrist, like how you doing? Yep. Like yeah. but he countered with the bicep and as soon as he did I was like, "Oh, you've done this before." He like, knows. You're yeah, like, he's you're good. You're yeah. good. Yeah. So. <laughs> Next time I meet he him, got the higher ground. Yeah, he definitely he saw it and was like, "No, you think you got me? I got you back." That's amazing. But next time I meet him, I'm gonna definitely like come with something different. Hopefully, I don't get taken down by secret service. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I got like two hands the around time. the shoulders. <laughs> like, yeah, I got yeah, yeah. But no, it was just a it was a great moment. Um, I didn't realize how like personable he was at this time because you know this guy he, he got elected. Obama got elected when I was in school. Like, I mm-hmm. remember doing my econ homework, seeing you know the news pop off that he had yeah. won and having that moment, not getting a chance to celebrate like in Eugene because I had like, I think I had like an e-contest the next day or something <laughs> or practice the next day.
1: Okay, right.
0: But to to stand in front of him, realizing he's like every bit of like 6'1", six, 6'2", six, didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, like you got my next vote.
1: Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Nice. I like that. Wow. It's, uh, it must have be- been... An amazing experience to yeah. be there with all your teammates, you know, celebrating the win, and then, like you said, Barack Obama, the first African American president. Yes. There you are, and you think back your your journey where it all began. You know, mm-hmm. South Central LA, and uh, here you are, like yeah. at the White House.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a uh, again. I still need to get him back for that handshake. <laughs> yeah, that the pivot. power
1: move, man. <laughs> power move. Uh, all right, let's take a look at this next thing here. Um, this is. I'm wondering if this is something that happened before all of your games, uh, because this is something, uh, a text message that you received from your mom. Um, So I'll just read it out loud. Good morning, son. It's a beauteous day, isn't it? Play hard, play smart. Hit hard, hit clean. Focus, focus, focus. Stay healthy, stay hydrated, stay flexible. You are where you are for a reason. Show everybody that you can have, will handle any responsibility given to you. Love you, mom. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing.
0: Every week. Every week. Every week. Since I think in college, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Every week she would send me, and they would be the most corniest texts ever. That's amazing, like, though. Me and my mom, to like we lean into the corny together. Yeah. So like literally every week it's something inspirational like this, uh, and you, you expect it, and even when mm-hmm. it still comes, it's just one of those moments that you can have. Obviously, you're about to go out onto the onto the field and and hit grown men for the next three hours, right. but to have that moment. Literally every Sunday and Saturday in college with my mom was, was always something I just never took for granted. Like, I always appreciated that moment to, like, sit with her in that, and,
1: and take it all in. That's amazing. Well, yeah. what does she mean to you to have, your you know, her support throughout all these years in your journey?
0: Yeah, I mean, she's – I'm not sitting here talking to you unless she kind of handles a lot of the burden um, mm-hmm. that came with some of my upbringing. Like, there's still things that I don't know that she had to endure – that she's kept from me because she was like, no, like you need to have blinders on and get where you want to go. So just having her be in my corner, stay in my corner, like I I never wanted to do something that, you know, just just would have her friends or our family like question her raising me. Like I always, like when I'm out, when I'm out here in the city, you know, making the moves that I'm making, doing what I'm doing, um, I like the fact that her friends and, you know, her sisters and family, whatever, are saying like, hey, we heard Spencer doing this, we heard Spencer doing that. And I'm like, yeah, because you taught me how to sort of move uh, in this city and just kind of, just not really, not really, you know, throw dirt on your last name. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad that she, I can be like a shining point for in
1: her life. Cool. Well, that's amazing to get text messages like that. She yeah. still send you inspirational texts from time to time?
0: They've just gotten cornier over the oh, okay. years. As you like this is 2013, so yeah. if like, you fast forward how, what, eight, nine years, I, it's off the victory now. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. All right. All right, let's go to the next one uh, right here. This is back in the day, like way, way back in the day. Mm-hmm. I want to know what you would say to this kid that we're about to show right here if if he knew the journey <laughs> that he had ahead of him.
0: Man, I would say to the to the kid on the right, Wash your face more because I had a pimple in this photo. Oh, if okay. You guys zoom in. Yeah. Big pimple. And it was like the night before I'm doing everything to try to like get rid of it. Cause I'm like, oh, I have my first ever like high school photos. Yeah. So like wash your face more. Okay. That's good like, advice. Kid on the left. Uh, this is when I was a ball boy for Beverly. This had to have dated me wow. with those glasses. I would say 98, maybe 99, um, you know, thinking I'm tough. Look at that you, scowl. I, I don't know if the scowl. sun's in your eye there, but yeah. Um, but this was me just like sort of idolizing the guys that came before me at Beverly. Like Beverly had a rich football culture mm-hmm. throughout the you know '80s and '90s, even back in the '70s. But in the '90s, there's still guys that you know didn't play beyond high school that I still in my head idolized because I was their ball boy. Yeah. So it was just that that kid that idolized the greats that came through Beverly, but. Just tell him, like you know, to both these kids, just stay the course. Um, I don't have a lot of regrets from my high school years, and um, yeah, just keep going, just keep going. I wish I could have worn nine a little bit more in my career, but <laughs> now you can with with the you NFL and college. Members. But right. uh, I think I think uh, I think these kids are on the right track.
1: I think so too. I think so too. And uh, let's take a look at this this last thing right here because your story, which we've talked a little bit on. Uh, became turned into the very successful show, all American on the CW. And it all started with an idea that looked a little something like this. Yeah. Um, do you want me to read that? You want to read it? Uh, you can read it if you want. I'll read it. Yeah. I'll read it. Okay. So this is back on August 18th, 2016. Uh, you wrote this. I didn't know where to fit in. My adolescence was no stranger to witnessing shootouts, drive-bys and dead bodies. Yet my formative years were spent around teens that used unlimited allowances to fuel their drug addictions. How do you appeal to two entirely different cultures? Being a 14-year-old black kid from South Central and rolling into Beverly Hills High School, assimilating into one side would almost ensure isolation in the other. The biggest game of my life wasn't spent between chalked lines, but rather navigating my way towards acceptance from both sides of Pico Boulevard. And frankly, I'm not so sure I'll ever be done playing. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit, wh- what is this?
0: This is the first ever anything that started All-American. Wow. So, and I think I'm, I think you I have a hint that you may have gotten this from my guy, Dane.
1: Uh, maybe. I maybe, see the yeah. see the
0: writing. I'm like, <laughs> I know what that is. <laughs> yeah. But August 18, 2016, I'm in my second year playing for uh, the Miami Dolphins, we're in mm-hmm. fall camp. And I get a call from my now-producing partner, Dane Mork. Shout out to Dane. Yeah. In that off-season, I had a conversation between him and our friend, Robbie Rogers, who is Greg Berlanti's uh, now husband, mm. uh, then fiancé. And an idea that they were working on was sort of dead in the water, talking about their upbringing in Palos Verdes, uh, the peninsula area. And they had sort of on a just kind of pitched me based on a conversation that me and him had a few months ago, a few months prior to this, mm. Just about growing up in L.A. and, you know, me being from South Central, Dane being from Palos Verdes, and us saying we're from Los Angeles, but having two completely different upbringings. Um, he called me and said, hey, I kind of like soft-pitched you out of nowhere, just like you as a person. Yeah, You went to Beverly, you're from South Central. Like, do you think you could write up something that can like encapsulate what that experience was? And I remember, I, was, I f- forget the team, it might have been Tampa Bay at this time. But I was studying against Tampa Bay, like mm-hmm. playbook open, writing down my plays, middle of fall camp. I'm like, okay, bet. It took me about two hours to write this. It was like way longer, then way shorter. than, yeah. And I finally settled on this is the paragraph that I think encapsulates it. It's like everything in this is true, from the dead bodies to the drive-bys, mm-hmm. seen it all. Um, and I think the line, the line that really caught them was, you know, the biggest game of my life wasn't spit between chalk lines, but rather navigating my way towards acceptance from both sides of Pico Boulevard. And frankly, I'm not so sure I'd ever be done playing. Um, that was a line that when uh, Warner Brothers, Greg Mulanti, called, they said there's something here based on that one line. Yeah. There's something here to explore. So this led to getting a meeting with Greg Mulanti's company later on in the year. And January, I think the second week of January, I made that appointment with them, went, just told them stories. And yeah. two
1: weeks later, we were in contract negotiations. Wow. It happened pretty fast. And there clearly was something there. It's a, it's incredible writing. And I see why you are a writer too, though, <sighs> to be you. able to sum up that experience so eloquently of everything that you went through and being in these, these two worlds, like you said, do you still, in some respects, feel that way at all? Um,
0: yeah, I think it's a sort of different worlds now where, yeah. you know, I'm, I feel like I'm constantly fighting the idea that uh, I'm just like a football player mm-hmm. in this space. Yeah. And I don't want to get into the nitty gritty of like the production side and being in the rooms and mm-hmm. all that, but I'm on the ground. I'm boosted ground to a lot of the, a lot of the properties and ideas that I'm producing and or writing right now. So yeah. not, and that's, that's no shade to any other athletes that are getting into this game. Sure. But I feel like if you are an athlete and and are pushing stories along, you need to be in those rooms, helping guide those stories because you have an experience that you can draw from that. Even if a writer has written sports for the past 20, 30 years of life, like they can't dive into those, those streams of knowledge that you just accumulated over the years. So
1: just be boots to ground if you if you're on a project. Well, it's amazing how this text, this you know, few pair uh, this paragraph right here became what it did, yeah. you know, and turned into All American, this hit television show that's about you and your life. And I know from here there was many steps along the way, including. Mm-hmm. You were recording sort of a pitch, you you describing this while you were at practice in yeah. New Jersey, like about to, you know, go out to the practice field and getting yeah. that right, too. And, you know, from that happening to when you were released by the Carolina Panthers, mm-hmm. a lot of players would be devastated by that yeah. news. This might be the end of their career. You did not have that reaction. No. You were excited <laughs> by being released, so yeah. you could focus on this. Uh, I mean, tell me a little bit more about about that moment. Yeah,
0: this is this is my third week with Carolina. Um, I'm now vested in, into my seventh year, fully vested, so I, I get you know the pension that comes with the seventh year. Yeah. Um, and I'm the, earlier that week. I I think it's Wednesday. I'm literally writing in my defensive playbook a synopsis to a short film that two or three years later I end up filming. But in that room, I mean, you got Julius Peppers over here. You got Luke Kuechly over here, Shaq Thompson, Thomas Davis, like these guys that will like all find their way to the hall of fame once it's all said and done. Mm -hmm. And I'm writing a film synopsis like in my defensive playbook. And it was that moment that I realized this is when we were starting already working on all American um, in my, I was a free agent most of my last season uh, so I was working out in the morning and then working with our writer at the time, crafting the pilot. So went through this experience that I thought could serve as a short film. Ended up writing it, and I look up and like thirty minutes had passed. I didn't know who was talking in the room. They had I probably had one of my worst like practices ever because I just didn't write down any of the plays. Yeah, because I was just like, oh, I'll get it on the field later. All right. And that's when I walked out of that room. That's when I was like, okay. I know I, without a doubt, this is my last year. Mm-hmm. I knew it was gonna be my last year, but every athlete thinks maybe I can get one more. Maybe I can right. just like strain for one more. Right. Walking out of that room that day, I was like, this is my last year, no matter what. Mm-hmm. So two days later on Friday when we're, you know, gearing up to fly to Atlanta. It was the last game of the season, my bag wasn't there. I'm like, oh, uh, my travel bag isn't here, and they're like, oh, uh, we'll get it for you in a little bit. You just give us a second. I'm like, okay, that's weird, but I'm going. I've gonna seen go. hard
1: knocks too yeah. many times.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> so I'm in the lock. I'm in the weight room uh, stretching, and the Reaper comes. Everybody knows <laughs> who the right. Reaper is. Hey, Spencer, can we you grab your uh, coach wants to talk to you Yo, and everything. Man. I'm like, yeah. am I getting cut? And he's like, ah, you know, I just. Ah, Coach needs to talk to you. Yeah. I'm like, you're the Reaper. You need to know this. Yeah. So I go into the room, and, and Coach Rivera's there with a handful of his coaches. And it's very sound. He's like, ah, oh, Spence, you know, like, you know, we really enjoy having you, but it's kind of a, you know, last in, first out type thing. And we need to secure the defensive line. We've had injuries, as you know. And I'm like, okay, like, no problem. Like, who can I talk to about going home? You guys win it all. Like, I know I get a ring, even if yeah. you guys <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Go, go out and right. do it. Because I was ready to get back home because I this was the sign that I needed to like fully cut ties with, with playing and yeah. get home, tell my wife, um, my daughter's six months at the time and I'm mm-hmm. like, Hey babe, got cut today. And she's like, Oh my god, I'm like, No, 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 no. Should we pack up this apartment now and be on like the flight in three hours? Or are we staying the weekend? Like, we need to make this decision. We packed up the apartment in like four hours, I think, and wow. I think took a red eye or early the next day and, and I was back. In my neighborhood, having a New Year's Eve party the next day. So
1: wow, and that's when I retired. Wow, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, when (laughs) one door closes, uh, another one opens, and you started this great second, you know, chapter in your life. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, I've always respected the fact that in doing research on you, that football is a part of your life. It's not your entire life and what you've gone on to do since then with All American. And even beyond that, I mean, directing, you just had uh, your first uh, short film. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, tell me uh, about that.
0: Yeah. So my first short film was actually uh, based on a synopsis that I wrote in the Panthers. Oh, wow. So during that time that I think was like two months that I was a free agent during the 2017 season, Mm. my barber vanished. And as a black man, like your barber (laughs) is like, it's, it's like girlfriend, mom, barber, <laughs> right. wife, mom, barber. And yeah. even like girlfriend, mom, for some people can be a little tricky. Right, right. We saw the but text. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> I get the same from my barber. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but my barber just vanished. Like I I would text him, no response, call him, no response. I end up going to his shop. His, even the people that he had worked with were like, oh, man, we haven't seen him in like two months. I'm like, this guy helps pay the rent here. Like how do you guys not know he's technically yeah. missing at this point? So I kind of took that experience. I was like going around to other barbers. just They were messing up my hair. And I was cutting my hair myself, which I can do. But like yeah. you always like to, you know, get touched by an actual professional hands. Right. And I thought that was interesting enough to write a film on it. Just a, a black man understanding, a, a black man trying to deal with his barber going missing mm-hmm. and technically like dating around Los Angeles, all these different barbers. Um, right. To only just come back and realize that the barber that, that, the original barber that he had before the one that went missing was all he needed, which is an ode to my barber that cut my very first haircut and Mm -hmm. has cut four generations of my family's hair. So um, that was my first directing anything. I'd already done about uh, two seasons of All American, just absorbing the set and absorbing how directors moved and talked to the actors. And I was like, I think I can do this. Mm -hmm. So that was my first anything, but that whole script started when I was in a defensive meeting room. Not paying attention. <laughs> right. Wow,
1: wow! It's all full circle. You yeah. were laying the groundwork for what was next. Yeah. And All American. So many people know your story, of your story. Obviously, they take some creative liberties, but it is based yes. on you. Originally, the pilot was called Spencer. Mm-hmm. They ended up settling on All American. I, I was
0: so ready for it to be called Spencer. The
1: band, right? I was. I
0: was like, I was gonna climb up to like the posters and like take a be picture on the billboard. Like, oh, just this whole thing. <laughs>
1: Oh, humble brag. Yeah, Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, it is Spencer James is Spencer Mm Pacinger, And what was it like when you saw that pilot for the first time and you're watching on a big screen like your life? It
0: was surreal because, you know, I'm I'm in the pilot uh, and but having... First off, I messed up, like, five takes when we were filming it because they were called Spencer, and I'm in the background. I'm like, what? (laughs) I'm literally looking where Spencer James is supposed to be looking and just had to get used to that. Now I'm called. Now I'm real Spencer on set. They call me real Spencer. But that whole experience was so crazy because, you know, there are definitely things in the pilot that, you know, sometimes are, like, word for word, how it happened in real life. Mm -hmm. There are some moments in the pilot that I wrote yeah. that I changed, so to see those acted out on a grand scale like that and then people actually like it yeah. was something that just, it, it completely redefined the goals that I wanted in my life. You mm-hmm. know, you look back two years before that, I'm like, I want to be a starting linebacker. You fast forward, I'm like, I want to write as many scripts as possible in this industry. So yeah. it was kind of that, that the I would say the moment that I realized, like, everything that I'd done up to this point like, made sense to get me to this point. Like, There was kind of some uncertainty of if, if I should play another year mm-hmm. while we were still getting the show off the ground and that, but seeing it on TV at that moment and being in New York during upfronts and people, you know, it was technically tested as CW's highest-rated uh, pilot ever. Wow. So the fact that words that I helped write and yeah. a story about a young black kid from South Central like, having that kind of impact – you know, it was crazy. It's absolutely yeah. crazy. I'm still trying to, like,
1: understand it. Uh, it is crazy. Yeah. And that people all over the country, all over the world, as this translated different languages, yeah. too, like get a chance to meet the characters, but meet you and get a glimpse of what yeah. you have lived and the story you had to tell. And that, you know, in turn inspires more and more people, uh, yeah. you know, to believe what is possible.
0: No, I, I love it because, and I, I always make the joke that, like, 13-year-old girls and, like, 60-year-old men are in my DMs about the same topics, <laughs> about all Americans. So the fact that the show can pull on so many different topics yeah. and still be culturally specific to these two areas of Beverly Hills and South Central, um, but still allow for a broader conversation uh, about sports, about, uh, you know, LGBTQI community, mm-hmm. uh, just just everything under the sun that we can think, that we can pull from the newspapers and make it make sense in the all-American sort of universe, I love it because it's, I always say like every, every seven to 10 years, there is that high school show that comes out that mm-hmm. kind of, you know, captures the high school experience. You know, yeah. you have like, I don't know, it was One Tree Hill, Dawson's Creek, you know, Varsity Blues, like those type of right. stories. And the fact that all-American is is now up there with those shows um, it's just great. Friday Night Lights as well. Yeah. It's a big comp for our show is
1: Friday Night Lights, but absolutely. I'm just happy that we can be sort of in that stream with them. Definitely. Well, it's a great story. It's a great show. I mean, so many fans around the country and uh, great stories to tell and you're just getting started doing that and yeah. here in In the Zone, we're just getting started with the games we like to play. Right, so go. it's time for our next game. This is called Association Word Association right, where yeah. we are going to open a box of Panini 2021 NFL trading cards. We're going to open this box up. We've got a pack to choose from here. Thank you. Big shout out to our friends over at Panini. All right. So I'm going to pick this pack of cards right here. It's Mm -hmm. beautiful. This is a very valuable box, by the way, of cards. So again, thank you, Panini, for making this possible. (laughs) All right. There are seven cards in this pack Mm -hmm. and word association. I'm going to show you a player. The first thing that comes to your mind you tell me about it. Gotcha. Unfiltered. Don't gotcha. think about it. Don't be political on me now, Spencer. <sighs> all right? And if you don't know the guy, maybe it's about the team. Maybe it's about the city. It's like you just, what comes to mind when you see it. Here gotcha. we go. All right. Panini. Must I close my eyes? Nah, well, you, you might need right? them when you see these guys. Here we go. All right. Here are our cards. First up, we have, these are beautiful cards. Calvin Ridley.
0: Calvin Ridley. Uh, underrated. Mm. I would say he's highly underrated. I know Atlanta's yeah. going through a lot of turmoil, but that guy always produces.
1: All right. All right. Okay. This next guy, Kirk Cousins.
0: Man, longevity. Mm-hmm. I, had to, I had a chance to, to train with him, um, I think one year, but great guy. Great guy all around.
1: Okay. Yeah. Nice. Nice. All right. How about, this is a nice card. Actually, this is, I think, a very valuable card. There's only 75 of these. It's number 28 of 75, (laughs) Kyler Murray.
0: Oh, I mean, what can he do? I would say versatile. Yeah. I mean, number one draft pick, and then you could have been number one draft pick in two different sports. Right. Versatility.
1: Crazy. All right, I'm... I'm putting this one to the side. <laughs> 28 to 75. Thank you, Panini. Yeah. Okay. All right. This next one we have from the Tennessee Titans. This one's also rare. It's a rookie card, number 25 of 49. Caleb Farley. Don't know him. All right. Unknown. How about how about? Well, it's too bad because it's a uh, 28, 5 of 49. <laughs> I wish it was known. Uh, Titans, first thing that come to your mind.
0: Titans, uh, scrappy. Mm. Scrappy.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. Okay, Ooh, got here some we size go. On that one. Ten of 25. It has a piece of his jersey in here. It might be giving you flashbacks. <laughs> Jason Witten. Just
0: slightly unguardable. I would say unguardable. Yeah. Size. He he has like hips of basketball players, so he always posts you up. Right. Um, some great battles against him.
1: You want to flashback, the the feel the jersey right say, there? Yeah, yeah. I, I held that jersey a couple yeah, times. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you already had your fingerprints on that, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, we got another, another? one. I'm killing it. This pack is killing it. This is another jersey card. It's autographed, too, number five of 49. Davis Mills rookie card. He's for the Texans. Uh, I think he went to Stanford.
0: Stanford, uh, Fear of the Tree. I would mm. say, all right.
1: Yeah, all right. I, yeah, great. No <laughs> yeah. shade. All right. All right. Yeah. Sorry, Davis. Sorry, uh, man. Really Respect, are, bro. but I don't know you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and our last card, another rookie card. This is, uh, I don't know if I can pronounce his name correctly, Panay Sewell.
0: Go Ducks.
1: There it's you go. Right
0: there. Never met him, but that's my guy because he went to Oregon. Oregon. So all right. he's, a, he's a, I would say, a mauler. Nice. An absolute mauler.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well then, I'm glad we got to end that with an Oregon duck for you. An Oregon duck. Do you ever go back to campus? Yeah, I try yeah. to
0: get back at least once a year for yeah. a game, for a home game. Um, you know, my, I have a lot of family up there, like extended family, because my my roommate slash like brother for life, Brian Butterfield, his family's up there in Portland. So yeah. whenever I go up there, I try to uh, hang out with him and his family, and um, you know, I'm his godfather, his son's godfather. Mm-hmm. So. Shout out to Butter. Shout out to Roman. Shout out to the whole family. <laughs>
1: um,
0: but yeah, Portland's the second home for me. Oregon's the second home for me in general. Like when it's all said and done, I want to get like a lake house there, mm, go wakeboarding yeah. on the Willamette, or just beautiful. anywhere. Like that's that second home.
1: I love Oregon. It's a beautiful part of the country, and uh, you get a lot of uh, swag uh, yeah. uh, from Nike. You still got a lot of like your Oregon swag. I got some know? of the best. Yeah, I
0: still got some of the best stuff. I, I so Oregon does if you. Have a professional contract anywhere in you know, any of the major leagues, mm. like you are naturally a, a Nike athlete. Yeah. Doesn't matter what sport. Wow. So when I retired, they yeah. stopped sending me those boxes. They would yeah. send you like two, like, swag boxes a year. It would have the Jordan, like, Oregon shoes in it, sweats, you wow. know, things like that. Sick. But I would argue getting a show on air is a hundred times harder than making to the NFL. So I think I should still be entitled to those boxes. I still don't get them though. Nike. So I'm putting, I'm holding feet to the fire, Nike. Let's talk.
1: All right. All right. Let's get (laughs) Phil Knight on the phone here. Come on. And Mr. Oregon. Yeah, I I think so. That's a good swag. Well, that leads into our next segment, which is called Cool, Calm, and Collected. Mm -hmm. I collect a lot of things. I collect sneakers. I collect cards, as you can Mm -hmm. see. I collect jerseys, homage t shirts, super soft, comfortable. Got way too many, hundreds (laughs) of those, all sorts of stuff. I want to know, Spencer Pacinger, what is it that you collect?
0: I'm a cancer, so like, I can find like, Sentimental value in anything Yeah um, Right now I've been Collecting my movie uh, Ticket steps
1: Oh, okay Yeah
0: I like that Yeah, I'm, I'm finally getting To that point where I'm, I can take my kids To the movies And it, obviously it's like Movies that they can watch I'm not yeah. taking them to see Like Dune or something All Right. But uh, I, I go to the movies At least twice a week uh, wow. So the pandemic Was like hard on me Because like that's part Of my therapy Just like yeah. going to a movie Shutting it out uh, so I've started to collect uh, my movie stars because I want to show my my daughter, like, these are all the movies we've seen together. And my oh, son, amazing. these are all the movies
1: we've seen together. So Very cool. Yeah. I like that. Did you bring anything to us uh, I didn't bring show. my
0: ticket studs, but I bought something okay. to me more more meaningful. Even more meaningful. Time? Yeah, it's it time. time it it's up? time.
1: Let's see it. This is show and right. tell, like back in the day. Let's see. So these are a little
0: dingy, but... These are a pair of old, beat-up shoes that I can't even make out what brand they are from. So, these are my grandfather's work shoes. Wow! My grandfather Carter Pasinger. He lived a great life, um, but these were the shoes. I think he may have only had one other pair of shoes since switching into these. These were his work shoes around the house. Like wow. anything he did with work, he put these on. They have cobwebs in them. Obviously, you can see like he's still warm, even though wow. coming out. But these were the shoes that he did all of his work in, and it's just that constant reminder that after he passed away, like, he always had this saying that, he's like, you could be lazy, but don't be trifling. Mm-hmm. That just meant like, take a day off, yeah. take your rest, have your rest, but if it extends beyond that day or two, you're being trifling. And it was just always that constant reminder that just just put the work in. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a guy that grew up in Plain Dealing, Louisiana, uh, part of the great migration up to Michigan, then found his way to Los Angeles. And the house that I grew up in is the house that he first bought um, and raised his family in and gifted it to my dad when I was born, and then he moved to the house that he ended up passing away in. Wow. uh, Just his work shoes that it's just a constant reminder. So my plan is to put some grass underneath these, put them in a a, glass case, and any office that I have in the future, these will be, Prominently placed.
1: That's so beautiful. That's beautiful. Carter senior shoes, right here. Thank you for bringing those yeah. to share that with us. I Absolutely. really appreciate it, man. That's Absolutely. awesome. Uh, that's uh, that's really cool and definitely an inspiration. Clearly, you know yeah. uh, what he stood for, what he did, the yeah. the groundwork he laid for you and the the Pacinger family.
0: He was the prototype. Yeah. Um, I get a lot of how, how I treat my wife and my family today from how I just saw him. Mm. Uh, a lot of people naturally believe, oh, since you went to Beverly Hills High School, that was your view into better things. But I always said, no, it was, it was him. It was my grandmother. It was their house in Ladera Heights, which is a prominent black neighborhood in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. where like, even if I didn't go to Beverly, I still got, I still got to see the better things yeah. um, in this city. So, and it's, it's all because
1: of him. Wow, that's great. Well, that's uh, an amazing item you brought in, maybe my favorite one we've ever had here on CoolCom Collected, and it's a nice segue into our final segment called Pay Homage. Uh, mm-hmm. I mentioned those Homage t-shirts that yes. I got, super soft, yes. right? Well, Homage is all about storytelling, and we are too here on In the Zone, and they're all about Giving you an opportunity to pay homage to someone in your life who helped pave the way for your success. Whether it's a friend, a family member, uh, a mentor, someone yeah. from afar that maybe you haven't even met, but they inspired you by by seeing their example. Who, Spencer Pacinger do you want to pay homage to?
0: Man, I mean, there's so many people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say my wife first off before like get any <laughs> trouble, before I get home. Even before this air, she'll like, hear it and be like, wait, what? He didn't say something about me? <laughs> um, but first off, yeah, absolutely my wife. She's somebody that is has held me down from even last year in college to now. Like, She's somebody that, you know, we always make that joke, like there, there's no possible way we can have a prenup because I have nothing if she's not there. Mm-hmm. Like she was there from before day one. So mm-hmm. if we take a turn in our relationship and things are bad, like take whatever you want, you deserve it. Mm. Uh, I'd say the second person undoubtedly would be my older brother, Justin. He sort of was the blueprint for me on, on how to carry myself on how to, how to be in sports, but not let sports just define you as a person. Mm -hmm. He's somebody that had to, he was an offensive lineman at San Jose State University. Uh, was president of the WAC conference, had to medically retire due to a back injury sustained during practice, mm. um, but he had done so much for that school and the WAC conference that they decided to pay for his master's prog- uh, program, and he could just pick whatever master's program he wanted to. Wow! Um, but still, to this day, one of the strongest humans I've ever witnessed. Mm. Um, just an all-around great guy, father of four, happily married, living in Arizona, but. I get my love from football, um, from seeing him work uh, every morning, my last, my first year, his last year at, at yeah. Beverly, so, yeah.
1: All right, nice. Well, thank you, Spencer, for yeah. sharing so much of your story, your stories uh, about your family, your friends, your All-American journey, and your NFL journey as well. Yeah. Uh, and like I said in the very beginning of the intro, I do feel like you are just getting started. You've already accomplished so much, But this is just the beginning chapters in the book. So I can't wait to see what is next for you. And I want to pay homage to you. I know, unlike some of our guests, you do have (laughs) trading cards of yourself already, but this is a limited edition Spencer Pacinger In The Zone trading (laughs) card. This is my
0: first trading card. I do not have a trading card of myself. What? Come on. I'm getting this framed.
1: Let's go. Okay. I'm
0: getting this framed. Thank you Well,
1: we made five of these only. We're going to have you autograph them. One is for you. One is going to go right up here on our Wall of Fame with all of our guests, and then three of them autographed we're going to give away to our fans and followers. Followers on social media. So make sure you are following us here at In the Zone and that you're also following Spencer (laughs) on social media. Check out the tag below and we will give those out. But uh you're welcome. Thank you, Spencer, for sharing your story here with us today and with the world. Uh, on television shows, and I can't wait for the next script, the next story that you will write, direct, produce, and tell. Maybe even acting too. We'll
0: see. Maybe acting, but it's been great coming here. Uh, it's very appreciative that you had me. I feel covered right now, so
1: I got you. I got to you, you and the team. Oh well, thank you, man. Can't wait for the next time. You'll be back. Yes. All yes. right. Now I want to eat that sandwich. We, I know. Okay. All right. Here we need you to autograph it.